1: Generate into something for We just got tired of doing what you're supposed to do. That's a brave boy. That's a brave little man. Break it down. They're right now. they Degen Nation, fam. What is up? What is happening? It's the DFS Degen Nation coming to you live. For week 16, I believe we're at episode 73. It's been flying by. The whole season's been flying by. But uh, we're happy to be with you once again. It's your host, Ryan Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Alexander underscore W. And I'm joined by my usual suspect, my usual co-host, Mr. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat 13. And then we're joined no other by special guests. Maddie Dickinson at Maddie D T Q E. Maddie was able to come in and join us at the very last minute. We gotta, we gotta pull them out the reserves, and we got a fun one here with the trifecta, the three man pod for the DFS Deejin Nation fellas. How we doing tonight?
2: I'm good, man. It's uh, Friday night, and we got we got three games of football tomorrow, which is a weird feeling, but um, right. it's a feeling we're gonna get used to over the next six to eight weeks or whatever it is. Um, with sa- Saturday football playoff games uh, on the horizon, so um, they're starting to to get our feet wet with that that feeling on Saturday football. But got to take the place of college football, I guess. So that's kind of why they're making the switch over there um, in the NFL schedule. But good to talk football. Um, glad to, glad to be on here. I, I know Kev reached out to me last night to hop on last night, but had some things work things going on. So you know, good to be here uh, on Friday. Last like you said, last minute. But hey
1: better than no minute, right? That's right. Better late than never, but never late is better. Kev, talk to the people. What's going on with you for week 16?
3: Not much. I'm hyped. You know, it is the week before Christmas. It is, uh, you know, we're only a few days away from the, the great holiday that is Christmas. Uh, we got a full weekend of games, of NFL games here. Uh, we do apologize for uh, missing last week. You know, we had some things come up, but, That's you right. know, so is life. So is life. That's what happens sometimes. But um, but we're, we're back, and we are going to break down this slate. Uh, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, I think we should also pour one out for the homie Chris Godwin. You know, uh, I shed a tear. Um, during last week, whenever uh, he went down, I was like, uh, you know, Simba, like, get up, get up, come on, you gotta get up, like, but uh, he did not. And also, <laughs> shout out to all the our season long people playing, uh, for the championship this week, you know, trying to get that chip. So, uh, should be
1: good. Yeah, that won't be Kevin, but uh, the rest of you <laughs> hey, guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. the guys. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's like
3: most, <laughs> most, uh, the TFA listener league for one, which is a twenty man league, I'm in the championship. So did you make the playoffs in okay. that league, by the way? You're in it. Did you make uh, the playoffs?
1: I didn't even know I was in it, so I guess I didn't I didn't <laughs> make the playoffs.
3: <laughs> That's, That's so awesome. Right. So, right. so that it league is, it is. Like, I was kind of the same way. Like I didn't really pay much that much attention to it. And like I didn't make a move all year. Like I guess there's fab budget. I still have all hundred dollars of the fab. Like I never put in a single waiver claim. Mike Boone, all in. <laughs> yep and well actually it's funny because like two weeks ago i actually finally made a move and i picked like deandre washington was chilling i was like oh he's done something this is a 20-man league right so there's not much uh there's not many players out there so i just went and scooped up deandre washington it's like oh whatever and then tyler higby was also available so i picked up both them and uh so it's been pretty good but so you could take that back about not knowing anything about a championship week
1: well i guess that's fair because it's it's in a league that i uh apparently have uh, put on on waivers and layaway myself. So I uh, will go in and see how I even fared uh, in that league after this. But we got DFS and Krav, like you said, it's the week before Christmas. So uh, DraftKings and the rest of the DFS sites, uh, as we're talking about them, have gifted us with these two slates that we have. So real briefly, let, let's spend a little bit of time and talk about this Saturday slate before we get into the Sunday main slate. And as as Maddie, as you alluded to, there's three games here that we have to talk about. Kind of feels like Thanksgiving uh, 2.0, as there's really only one fantasy goodness game to like. We got uh, three matchups here. Uh, first game going on is Houston visiting Tampa Bay. Uh, Houston favored by three. It looks like you got New England at home against Buffalo. Uh, a, a game that if Buffalo wins, could have them winning the AFC East and at the first time in the Brady reign, um, which is just un- unbelievable uh, to think about. So that's definitely going to be a great game to watch from a football perspective. But fantasy, not so much, maybe. And then we got San Fran uh, hosting the L.A. Rams uh, with San Fran favored by six and a half as well. So, um, you know, I-, I think it starts off with this first game here. Uh, 12 o'clock lock on central time, one o'clock for you Easterners. T- Jameis is going to be rolling out there with, with nobody. Um, I mean, you could say Brashard Perriman. He's he's priced up to 6000 now on DK. Um, and that's fine if you want to play him. But the ownership, Kev, you and I were talking about this uh, pre-show. The ownership is going to be stupid on Brashad Perriman. Like, absolutely just ridiculous. And for a guy that really hasn't done much for his career, I, I mean, I get why people want to play him. But when you look at last week, he was the number two and kind of forced into the number one role. So like he's eating out there when, you know, the defense is accommodating Chris Godwin, so to speak, at least for a little bit of that game. And then, you know, just through a roulette of other guys, he was still able to pop this Texans team. They've been able to plan for Chris Godwin missing for some time now. So, if you're thinking you know you're looking at it and you're like hey take these two tight ends do something with them you can take a guy like justin watson and and do something with them but we're not gonna let Brashard perryman get loose um in this game here I, i i think that's just what the houston texans approach has to be um on that side and so when you're looking at uh I don't we don't have the pricing up, but he I know he's 6K and you're looking at other other ways you can go like, you know, John Brown for significantly lower ownership. I it's, listen, it's stuff I'm shutting down all people all year, but John Brown's actually been pretty solid all season long. And I think he I think he's a great pivot play Um, if you can. I know. These te- these two teams matched up before, and Cole Beasley was kind of the one that got loose there. Had like six six or ten catches for seventy yards. Um, go I think Cole Beasley actually makes four, four fine play too with the slot corner um banged up for for New England. But um, you know it's it's going to be a really straightforward slate. I think you said Maddie, and I, I really do think that the whole slate comes down to Brashard Perryman and whether or not you're going to play him or not. And then if you're, you know, if you're playing him, how else are you going to be different? And if you're not playing him, where are you going instead to still feel like you're going to be ahead of the field? Um, And so with guys like, you know, Will Fuller on this slate, uh, Emmanuel Sanders going against Richard Sherman on this slate, like there are other spots where guys, I think, have the potential to break the slate um, and not see as high ownership as Perryman, uh, Maddie. You're the guest. I'll start with your thoughts here uh, on the slate as a whole in general, because that, that's really what it comes down to. And then I guess we could talk about you know couple favorite spots that we like.
2: Yeah. So so I mentioned pre-show kind of. I haven't really dug in as much on the on the three-game Saturday slate just because that one is a little quicker and um, I can really dive in on it probably tomorrow morning. But just look like looking at looking at it high level first glance here the running back matchup against Houston is, is very, very good. Uh, so over the last, so I, I did an analysis on uh, the Houston or each week I, I post um, my, my article over at, at TQE, I, I post the the trench matchups for offense versus defense. Um, and, and last week I started to try to note some trends over the last five weeks and how defensive lines have, you know, are they performing better? Are they performing worse? Like, and it, it kind of captures, you know, maybe that maybe a defense is dealing with injuries of late. Uh, maybe they've gone through a, a, a scheme change like Atlanta after their bye week. Um, just different things will, will be captured over the last five weeks as opposed to a season as a whole. Uh, so looking at Houston last week, these are the last week numbers, so you'd be looking at not including last week's game. Um, uh, they had dropped nine spots. On, from their season ranking just over the last five weeks on adjusted line yards and dropped four spots in open field yards. So for those of you who don't really um, know what, what these stats mean, it's, these are from football outsiders and uh, adjusted line yards is a good way to, to measure solely the defensive or offensive line play of a unit. Um, and then you've got second level yards are going to be your five to ten yard carries and open field yards are, are carries that go for ten or more yards. Uh, so you're looking at a Houston defense that has just been getting gashed on the ground over the last five weeks. You've got everybody in their mother who wants to play Jameis Winston and Brashad Perryman. Why not be different with the same exact team and just get your points on the ground? You could – and you could honestly like take a San Francisco 49ers approach here and, and play both Ronald Jones and, and Peyton Barber and get weird with it. I mean, both guys get goal line carries – Both guys have seen double-digit rush attempts in the last five weeks. Um, I I mean, they're not really involved in the pass game. Ronald Jones is a little more than Peyton Barber, but, I mean, it's not – I don't know. Ronald Jones is 4,400 and Barber's 3,900, so you're essentially combining those two guys for us as a 7K back as the best rushing matchup on paper um, of the three-game slate. So I think that's a great way to be different um, from the chalk. And that's probably if I was, if playing the slate tomorrow, uh, that's probably how I'm going to start my teams uh, in tournaments is, you know, try to be different with a different air attack and get leverage on that Tampa Bay air attack with, with the Tampa Bay ground game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the pretty common theme here is going to be attacking this. Is 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 the you know the first game of the slate, which is the Deshaun want you know the Bucks and the the Texans, where I mean the the two totals right now you have twenty six for the for the Texans and twenty seven actually for a team total for the Bucks. Um, which is a little crazy to me thinking thinking about a team that does not have Mike Evans or or Chris Godwin, but um, as we as we've seen this this Texans defense can be torched through the air, and Jameis Winston's a quarterback that he just doesn't give a fuck and will and will throw it out to anybody um, on any given moment. So, I mean, if you look at some of the other team totals on here, you have like the sixteen for the Bills, and you have uh, nineteen for the Rams, and you know even t- Tom Brady and the Patriots are twenty two and a half, and I think that's a little high in my opinion, but so right, right now, I think this is where it all is. But if, if I wanted to get different, I think it probably would be maybe going to the 49ers here who have a 25, 25.75 team total right now and are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, I feel like that this is a good place to attack, and I think that you could go with some of their options. And I think some of their options are really even a little bit cheaper than – I mean, Rashad Perriman at 6K is, is ridiculous, in my opinion. Like, no thank you. Um, if he was, like, maybe 4,500, you know – Uh, Maybe, but that's why I'd much rather play Justin Watson, and I think a lot of this is going to be recency buys, and people are going to be buying into what just happened last week with Prashad Perriman getting the three touchdowns. Um, I feel like Justin Watson now, without Chris Godwin, is going to play the Chris Godwin role in this offense. He played 64% of the snaps from the slot. And so like I, I think a-, a nice leverage play just in this game getting getting different and going with a Justin Watson, who had one target, I think, last week for five yards, I think is going to be a-, a way to differentiate yourself from the people that are going to load up on Rashad Perriman. I think that's a complete trap. And so – you know, I, like going with guys like that versus going with, you know, the complete chalk, like I think it's the way you go. Like running back, I think is a complete crapshoot right now. I don't think there's a running back on the slate that you feel great about right now. Um, I do like Devin Singletary at 5,500 because of his usage in the passing game. And then, you know, you could probably talk me into James White, but I just don't know if this is like a James White game. I feel like this is a really low scoring 17 to 14 type game. Uh, it's for the division You know, Buffalo obviously is going into New England. New England's offense has been just absolutely terrible. Even last week against the Bengals, they still did not look good. It was all because of the defense uh, with the 34 points they put up last week. But so right now, like, I feel like this is the way to do it. And I feel like that. You know, I think kind of like what you were saying with attacking with a different quarterback besides Deshaun Watson or Justin uh, uh, James Winston. I think, like I said, going with a Jimmy G, or even if you want to get really we- weird and go like golf. But I think that's probably the way to do it, and then come you know come back with some of these different wide receiver plays um, other than the norm. You know, like a uh, uh, Justin Watson type.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, this first game op- opens up everything, so you, you're going to want to get the pieces right there. Um, I'll have much more Deshaun Watson lineups than I do. Jameis Winston extremely interested in the Texans D who are coming in at 3,200, but in, you know, in my main line, I think I'll probably have the Patriots D um, who are able to get four sacks and three interceptions the last time these two teams met. Um, And now this is in Foxborough. So, you know, if the Patriots are able to get up big and and force Josh, Josh Allen, uh, into some mistakes, I think that can still pay off dividends. I, I mean, look what the pitchers D's been doing all year. Uh, we just saw it last week; they put up 20 points. So, especially on a three-game slate, I'm, I'm, you know, usually we talk about not paying up for defenses, but I just want a defense that I know is going to wreck havoc um, and can get plays, and you know. This, this Houston team could definitely give up points to Jameis just because he, like you said, Kev, full degaff mode. He goes out there throws 50 times. It doesn't matter. Um, and he could just wind up scoring touchdowns. Uh, I think another interesting, you know, angle uh, to touch on with this game is is this this San Francisco uh, passing attack. Like you said, with Jimmy G. Kev, even if I don't have exposure to him, I am interested in an Emmanuel Sanders that comes in at only $5,500 uh, who that's just too cheap um even with Jalen Ramsey out there i just think that's too cheap for the upside that he can offer and the way they get him across the field but then you have Debo Samuel even at 5100 um who definitely should uh see some looks as well come his way in this matchup if they're not funneling to Sanders um and sacking with George Kittle as well too. um Duke Johnson though you know, we're talking about a Tampa Bay team on the ground who Carlos Hyde probably finds himself in the worst matchup on the week um, of any running back. But Duke Johnson out there being able to catch passes should be nice. Um, running backs have been targeted 10th most against Tampa Bay, probably because how stout they are at stopping the run. So to get exposure on a guy like Duke Johnson in this game, in an early game when there's so many running back options to go to. Uh, you we talked about Devin Singletary. There's James White in this game. There's going to be Raheem Moser exposure. Todd Gurley's on the slate. So Duke Johnson, even though he's in the first game, should see lower ownership uh, than, you know, than expected. And, and especially with if Kyle Fuller or what Kyle Fuller, if Will Fuller ends up missing, uh, because he's still questionable on the report. I think, you know, somebody else is going to have to be funnel targets. Um, and then, so then the other too. Say that again? Oh, Hyde, Hyde on the Hyde, Hyde's questionable, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would much rather want Hyde to be in there just from an ownership play, because I still think people will, you know, try and force him in. Um, and Duke Johnson's ownership will just go heavier because anybody who's targeting that slate with Deshaun Watson ownership is going to, you know, If you're in a 150 max, you're going to see, um, Duke Johnson uh, skyrocket there. But in single entries, I think it makes for a pretty a pretty sharp play. Um, Kenny Stills, people could think about that might be chasing, but Tampa Bay's been very vulnerable against the slot. So uh, if he is able to, you know, get out there and 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 play in the slot against this team, I I like it. Um, Is there any other thing we want to touch about on this game? I mean, really. You know, I I think it's pretty simple. I think you, you know, with these other two games, 37 is over under for New England, Buffalo, and then I think 44 and a half from San Francisco and Rams. So really, you're trying to think about ways to different exposure or not different exposure, but getting an edge on this first game on how to, you know, how to target it, I think. By you know, saying you're not having Perryman, I think is is going to help a lot in GPPs. This is a GPP approach, only not cash. If you play cash, then by all means play Perryman because he's going to be 70 to 80 percent owned in cash. But from a GPP tournaments perspective, try and get this game right. Uh, Figure out the rest. Look at the spots you're looking at. And then, uh, you know, have fun with picking the defense as well. Uh, but is there any other thing that I missed before we move on to Sunday slate
3: I think one thing that I would say that I don't think was really said was especially on a three game slate that um, one way you can actually get different and differentiate yourself from other people is leaving money on the table as well and not feeling like you have to go and spend most of your your um, allotted cap so you know leaving a yep. thousand leaving 1500 or even two thousand um, I think is uh, a way to differentiate yourself from the field and not one that most people a lot of people feel comfortable with a lot of people feel like you have to spend all the money and you don't and I think it's just a smart move to leave money on the table because, um, you know, and, and like I said, like, with this with this one, you know, much different than, like, the Thanksgiving slate, like, there's not a lot of guys to pay up for here. Yeah. Um, you know, on this entire, you know, on this entire slate, like the most expensive running back is 6,300, you know, outside of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are off the board. So, you know, I mean, you're really talking about much of six and five and 4K wide receivers, tight end, you know, kind of the same thing. So like, I feel like this is kind of a slate you can do whatever you want. And so uh, I think leaving money on the table is probably going to be the, end up being the optimal approach.
1: For, for sure. That's a good point. Um, all right, let's, let's hit on this Sunday main slate here. Um, because of the Saturday slate, we are you know there's really no there is a milli, but uh, 1500 entry fee I believe for the millie. So we're going to get in Kev's tournament here uh, for our build, and that's going to be the slant uh, nine dollar entry, 500k to first, uh, and that's where we're going to you know do our do our build for the DJ Nation Pod for all you listeners out there. Um, only 11 games on this slate because of Saturday, so one of the smaller ones that we've seen. Uh, for a Sunday main slate, but we'll start off with the quarterback position. Um, Lamar Jackson comes in at 8K, going against Cleveland, on the road against Cleveland, Uh, but you're getting uh, quarterback, running back, MVP of the league. He's doing it all. Um, In cast games, I think he he makes a ton of sense to start your lineups with when you're looking at the production he's putting up. Um, In GPPs, it seems like a ridiculous play um, to get to Lamar Jackson only for the sole reason that he's really, you know, the yardage from a passing standpoint hasn't needed to be there. I I get it. He's going to rush a lot, but these touchdown numbers that he's been able to put up are absolutely bananas. Um, And he is getting benched for RG three when they do get up ahead. So if you do get into a situation where, you know, Lamar's, reach 30 points because he's rushed for a hundred ran one in maybe ran two in and then thrown for three, like this dude's not going to be out there. So just from that standpoint only, um, it kind of makes me worry to play him, but it's Lamar Jackson. So have at it. If you want to pay the AK for Um, outside of that, let's, you know, we can just touch on some of our favorite plays at the position. Uh, I would love for, I think there's – he got taken off of the injury report, but we're still waiting to monitor that for Devontae Parker. But Ryan Fitzpatrick at 6K going against Cincinnati, um, he, he's he been in full DGF mode too, 41 attempts against the Giants, uh, 37 against the Jets, 39 against Philly, 39 against Cleveland. Um, with so many injuries and everything to the running game for Miami – Um, They've really just, you know, let Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there and do his thing. And it's kind of, you know, paid off dividends. He's had over 20 DK points in three of his past four matchups. I I love Devontae Parker in this spot with a stack. They were just in a crazy uh, game stack with the Giants on the road. And this is another uh, matchup where we have two pretty terrible defenses going against each other. I don't mind Andy Dalton on the other side, but um, with, Fitzpatrick having Devontae Parker out there. I just love that stack. Um, The other guy that I really like this week is Russell Wilson going against Arizona. Uh, We have the flowchart play with with Hollister, Um, even though there's no Josh Gordon there. I think it's a great matchup for for Tyler Lockett to kind of get in play. Um, And Russell, he's kind of really, since week nine, hasn't really shown much of anything. Um, but Kyler somehow is able to keep, you know, keep his team in games with Arizona, not really getting blown out to start games, so to speak, to begin with. So if this game is able to stay close, I I really like Russell Wilson in this matchup, um, who comes in at just a thousand dollars less than Lamar Jackson, um, And like I said, if you're going cheap, uh, Andy Dalton on the other side of that of that game, he's come back and really, you know, New England. He put up six. Okay, it's New England. And they were blown out. Um, But other than that, the attempts are there. So with Miami being bad and we've targeted quarterbacks against Miami all year long, I think this is a, a plenty right bounce back spot for him um I think he could probably see you know upwards to 18 to 20 DK points in this matchup uh, which would be the highest since his return to being the starter there um I'm not really interested at this point in in pairing him with anybody I think it's okay to play him naked because there are a lot of options there um and there is a guy in this matchup that I love just a little bit more but at 5,200 you know you could you can do worse uh, I feel like that's really where I'm at right now with quarterbacks. I, I do have a little bit of interest in Dak Prescott coming in at 6,400. I know he was banged up. He's got the shoulder injury. It makes me a little weary, but because of just the narrow distribution of targets and what you can do with the Dallas pass game, like going against Philly, another team that we've targeted, um, you know, week after week this year, um, being able to allow points at secondary is atrocious. Dex got about 23 DK points per game that he's averaging. So um, I, I really like him if I can, you know, talk my way into some some lineups there that I feel comfortable with having him. Uh, Kev, I'll start with you on this approach. Quarterback this week What are you liking
3: Well I mean I think There's a couple Different rules of thought Here Um, One um, If I'm paying down A quarterback It's Drew Locke Um, 5600 Is a little pricey But I think At that spot Going against um, Going against Detroit I think that they You know Detroit's pass defense Has been horrific This year And you know We've seen Drew Locke You know Last week wasn't so much But that was such an easy call For me last week With going against uh, Kansas City You know On the road In Arrowhead It was a snow game like, that just didn't make any sense to play him. But, like, I feel like this week, you know, this is a real good bounce-back spot for them. You can pair him with Cortland Sutton. I think it's a cheap stack that you can get on. Um, even if you wanted to get a little crazy um, and even play, like, a. I feel like um, somebody like uh, Deshaun Hamilton, for example, who I think saw, like, seven targets last week. But I don't think you have to do that. I, or even, in, or I guess, in Noah Fant, I know a fan. I need to uh, mention him. But, you know, Drew Locke, I think that is somebody that I'm going to be starting with and going to be a staple in a lot of my lineups. Here at 5,600, I know some other people would probably want to maybe play Gardner Minshew at 5,500, but I just, I don't know. I just like this matchup a, a lot for the, um, for, for, the Broncos. And, um, I think Drew Locke can shred this defense. And then, you know, if you're paying up, it's hard to get away from Russell Wilson. I think, uh, I believe he has, yeah, he has the highest total on this entire slate at 29, you know, uh, everything matches up. It's one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, you know, it's also a high paced, um, um, team that they're going to be going against. So like I said, they, they, um, I think Russ is, but I will I will agree with you that if you look at Russ, like he really hasn't been good again, uh, really even viable since week week nine against the Bucks. So, um, mm-hmm. but I but I think that's also going to depress his ownership some here, and people are going to rather play like a Drew Brees, and I think Drew Brees is the biggest trap there is. Um, Drew Brees that's on the, if you look at their home yeah. road <laughs> splits, they are startling. Now that we don't have a huge sample size this year to go off of because of the games that he's missed, but. I do not think that Drew Brees is in a good spot here against this Tennessee defense. I know Tennessee's defense and the secondary is a little banged up, but I feel like this is a game where they lean more on the run and they do not have to throw the ball as much. And so I don't love this spot for Drew Brees at 6,900. But since you mentioned, why do you disagree? So the, the,
2: the big piece for me is Adoree a, a Jackson is out. And if you look at with him off the field, so he's played 547 snaps. And he's not been on the field for 417 snaps. So you've got pretty close to a 50-50 split here. Uh, the pass success rate with him off the field jumps from 48% to 61%. And then the explosive pass rate with him off the field jumps from 13% to 19%. So you're getting a very inefficient Tennessee defense that is not only inefficient <laughs> against the pass. They're, they've been a pass funnel all year. Um, they rank in the bottom – I want to say it's the bottom – 18% in pass attempts faced um, and they're a top five to 10 run defense. So if the saints are going to have any success in this game, it's going to be through Drew Brees. And we've kind of seen, I don't know if Kamara still, still dealing with an ankle injury or, or what, but he's just, he's just not been as involved this year. Um, especially in the red zone, his, his red zone touch or opportunities per game is, is about half of what it was last year. So um it's very interesting that they've just kind of relied on on the right arm of Drew Brees this this season, uh, and and not really relied on the running backs like they have in the past. So um, again, I think it's a it's a pass funnel spot. I know it's outdoors, but I mean Brees played for the Chargers for a, a good period of time of yeah. his career before he moved <laughs> to New Orleans. So I mean I, I'm not going to weigh the, the outdoor stuff too heavily, um, but also the fact that Ryan Tannehill has been so good the last few weeks on the other side, it, he's, he's got the ability to pit to push uh breeze in a shootout, a potential shootout. So, because um, the saints, the saints themselves are also a pass funnel. They're, they're one of the top run defenses in the NFL. Um, we know Henry's been dealing with a hamstring issue, but he still plays every week and he's been really, really good, but it's, it's been under understated how, just how good Tannehill has been as well. Um, he's arguably been the most efficient quarterback um, in the NFL ever, since he's started started taking over for the Titans. So I think that that game is really sneaky to shoot out. And with Breeze being $100 cheaper than Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson is, is playing Arizona at home, um, I, I think you're going to get Breeze at, at essentially no ownership. And he's kind of been He's been the the driving factor for the Saints this year. So here's
3: so this is why I would disagree with you is that one I think the Saints are going to handle the Titans pretty easily. If you look at Tannehill, I mean mo- most of what his, his his most of what he's done has been against. Pretty bad defenses. Um, Granted, the the I, I will get the, the Saints' defense. Um, it can be beat through the air. I do think the addition of Janoris Jenkins is going to help that because Janoris Jenkins uh, is, I think, a, a really highly underrated pickup that they had. A lot of people like to trash Janoris Jenkins, but I want to say since like week three or week four, he's been one of the top corners in the league and. I I think that's going to help, but I I just don't think the Titans are in the same class as the saints. And I don't think they're going to have to throw the ball that much. And so that's where my biggest concern with Drew Brees is. It's not that I think this is a bad necessarily as bad of a matchup is as so much as I just don't think he's going to have to throw the ball that much. And at that price tag, I think there's, there's guys that are, that are just a lot, I think that are much clearer paths to be able to get there. And, I think he's more of a in that range for me where I feel like his ceiling this week is like 18 to 20 um, or maybe 18 to 22 somewhere or somewhere right around there versus a week where I feel like that he can go out and drop 40. Now he can do that every week, I get that, but I just don't think that's really in the range of outcomes this week just because of this matchup. I don't think we know Tennessee does want want to try to run the ball and I think of Tennessee and I think that's going to be their game plan if they can is to keep the ball out of, out of Drew Brees' hands and out of this offense's hands. And so with all that like I just don't think this is a great matchup for him and I just will have no interest in Drew Brees.
2: Yeah, no, th- that's valid. I guess my my counterpoint to your counterpoint is we've seen a couple instances this year where uh well last week, for example, uh Saints won thirty-four to seven, Drew Brees scored thirty one DK points, two for three hundred and seven yards and four touchdowns. Uh week eight against Arizona, they won thirty-one to nine, he threw for three seventy-three and three. Um so it's it's a matter of it's just kind of been the Saints' game plan to, to throw the football, um, as opposed to hey, even if we're up, we're going to run. I mean, Breeze's attempts have, have been in the the upper to upper thirties to low forties on a, on a game by game basis. So, um, I, I guess I'm just playing the card of I really don't care what the Titans do on the other side, uh, mm-hmm. and if we get that the the San Francisco type game where. Tannehill comes out and pushes the Saints like Jimmy G did in, in the Superdome, um, then you get that that potential 40-point game. But if they don't, if, they, if the Titans score seven points, you you still got the, the 28 to 30-point DK upside with Breeze just because that's just how the Saints have moved the ball on offense this year.
3: Well, I mean, last week I felt like was like that was the most obvious of obvious times that they were gonna throw the ball because of Drew Brees' record uh, that he was trying to get. Every time that's happened, that's exactly how they've come out and handled it. And it was they were made it clear that they were trying to get him that that record no matter what in that game. But but regardless, I mean, like I said, I just I, I just fear in this game that you're gonna see the Saints get up quickly and. I think Ryan Tannehill for one and AJ Brown, where I think people are going to want to run it back with, if they want to go, I think is the biggest trap in the world. Um, I want no part of that. And in general, I just feel like that this game can be, just feels like a trap to me. I feels like a game where I I feel like the Saints pretty much handled this pretty pretty easily. I think the Titans are kind of a, a fraud and. I think this is one of the first times we've seen in a while that they've actually they're actually going up against a d- good defense. And I, like I said, I think the additions of Janoris Jenkins is going to help that pass funnel, similar to what we saw last year whenever they added Eli Apple, and it kind of changed their their secondary. Uh, you know, they were kind of a defense that we always wanted to target because they were a pass funnel. And then they added, you know, with the addition of Eli Apple, it kind of changed everything. I feel very similar about this matchup or with this addition of Janoris Jenkins here, and so. I don't know. Like, I feel like now, you know, with, with his addition, that I think you can push Eli Apple into the slot, and then who else are they going to throw to on that other side? So, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a fish, but <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time. But, I, like I said, I just feel like there's some other ways you can go <laughs> that, I, you know, I would rather play Matt Ryan, who's cheaper. I'd rather play Dak Prescott, who's cheaper. You know, I'd rather play Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's uh, remarkably cheaper. Um, so, you know, like I said, uh, I see the point, and I see I see how it could go. And if it does end up where the the Titans are able to go, then yeah, I think you are going to have to have Drew Brees. But I am not saying full fade Drew Brees. But I just I probably will have very little.
1: Maddie, with playing Drew Brees on any lineup, are you playing Michael Thomas in one hundred percent of those lineups?
2: Yeah, if you if you play Brees, I think you have to play Michael Thomas.
1: Okay, um, that's I just I just wanted to clarify that for everybody because that's. 16,000 of your salary right there or
3: so yeah, I mean 16, and, we'll get, yeah. and we'll, we'll get to it with running back so I guess if you wanted to do that you could easily do it because I think with running back this week I think once you get down into the the, the 6k range like it's pretty it's a pretty sweet spot down there in that range where you could pay down running back a little bit and still be able to pay up at the other position so
2: yeah so just to give you a quick glance at red zone targets this year Michael Thomas leads the Saints with 23. The next highest is 13, and that's Kamara. So <laughs> he's got 10 more than the next guy. Yeah, if you're if you if you're banking on a four-to-five touchdown game from Breeze, you have to assume one or two of them goes to Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah, no, that, that, that's fair. Um, Matty, talk to us real quick about what other quarterbacks you're liking, and then Kev, I'll go back to you for last thoughts.
2: Um, I Kev mentioned Matt Ryan. I like Matt Ryan. Um, I need to dig in on it, though a little more because Matt Ryan has kind of been volume driven in terms of game script. It's kind of the opposite of breeze the, the Falcons, when they get up, they'll, they'll run the ball. They're not, they're middle of the pack. I think in terms of uh, pass rate when, when leading by nine or more. Um, so two possession games, uh, whereas they, they do lead the NFL in pass attempts. But part of that is because they have played from behind in almost every game that they've been in this year. So, um, I I'm really concerned about the Jacksonville offense on the other side. Uh, especially if I, I haven't seen an update on DJ Chark, I don't know if you guys have or not, but, um, if,
1: yeah, I have not. I was looking for one before the pod and I didn't see anything.
2: Uh, yeah. So um, even especially if he's out, man, that, that Jack's offense, like we've seen the Jags just, just roll over the last four to five weeks and. Um, they've essentially just given up. I, I know Minshew is is out there fighting for a job, but I mean, he doesn't really have anybody to throw the ball to. And um, Fournette is he's just taken a beating all season long. It's it's almost like his body's finally starting to wear down um, on him. He's getting re- really inefficient with his touches. I just there's concern for me um, on the run back on the other side. So it's Matt. If you're playing Matt Ryan, though, I think you do have to play a jag. And I would probably play Fournette um, if that's the case, uh, seeing as Atlanta's been getting worse. Uh, ever since they made that, that personnel change on defense, they're playing way more man coverage than they are zone. Um, and and it's, it's led to running backs having more success on them than they did at the beginning of the year. So um, I, I do think Matt Ryan's interesting, but I, I will throw the caveat in that, that you do need to, to run it back with a jag if, if you're playing him.
3: Um, I think um, I saw that he is well, one, he's practicing limited all week. And I think there was a I saw today there was a beat reporter from the Jags said that they that uh, that the team I think expects him to play, um, but he's still he's still they still have him listed as questionable. It it feels like it makes sense because I feel like this entire probably this entire coaching staff probably feels like their job's on the line, especially with yeah, this happening with sure. Tom Coughlin. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised you see them uh when other times you think, well, there's no point in rolling them out there, their season's over with. I think that's why there's a pretty good chance I think you expect to see DJ Chark back out there. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and if Chark does play, then that's a boost to the Jags offense and and that makes playing Matt Ryan makes make even more sense. So um I, I do like that call there. My other cheap guy that that I'm on um, is is Danny Dimes. Uh, This Washington defense Mm -hmm. is going to be without basically all of their starting corners, uh, minus Josh Norman. He's going to play, but uh, their other two starting corners are projected to be out. Uh, So you've got backup bad cornerbacks that are backing up bad starting cornerbacks. So it's it's if if the Giants want uh, Jones to throw the ball a lot, and he's going to have a ton of success here and. Um, we, we've seen him have some spike weeks and he's got rushing upside, uh, with his mobility. Um, so I, I think it's the one concern with him though, is, is I could see Saquon having a, a really big day on the ground as well. So, yeah. um, it's definitely a uh, more of a tournament play than anything, but I think he's, he's very interesting and I think he should have uh very good efficiency through the air. And even if you're not playing him, I, I like the giants pass catchers. So. Um, I think he's interesting at five nine.
1: Did the news come out that he was going to be the starter before DraftKings set the pricing? Like, I'm confused how he's five nine this no, week. No,
3: it came out. It, it, no, I mean, news came out after later this week. I think it was like Tuesday, whenever it came out that yeah. he was going to return. So yeah, okay. the pricing had already been out.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: Because Eli's so, five
1: seven. So I, I would, I would, I would love him if he was like five two or five one. This is bullshit. Um, but go ahead, Kev.
3: I don't necessarily disagree like I see the path to it and it's, and it's a great matchup it's just a tough week for quarterback because like there's not a ton that is like stands out to you it's like okay this is a smash play I think exactly. there are a few at the top and then there's a couple you know in the lower six and then from there you know you have to really want to play like a Carson Wentz or I mean I think like I would want to play Phillip Rivers going against Oakland you know at 5,700 but man I mean I, I don't know what to expect from him on a week-to-week basis and I just don't think there's a lot, you know, there's a heck of a lot here. So I don't mind the, the, the Daniel Jones, especially with the fact that, that he is able to pick up yards on, on the ground um, with his legs. And so I will be interested to see how mobile they are, how, how mobile he is in this game because he is coming off that ankle injury. But, I mean, we've seen it in this, this year. I mean, 27 yards, 12, 20 yards, 54 yards against Dallas. So I think that's another caveat to his game that I think that, that make him a little bit more appealing
2: yeah and I will say too that with his injury thing i don't think i don't think the Giants would even risk it um if if he was even close to being somewhat high risk of of a re injury or something you know um i mean I know it's just like a sprained ankle which isn't really that big of a deal anyways, but i mean it's week sixteen they're they've got three wins and um he's the rookie quarterback and they know Eli's on his way out after this year so um i don't think it, if it was anything serious um that's why I'm not really too concerned about it. So,
3: what is your guys' thoughts on Kyler this week? Uh, he was pretty popular last week. A lot of people uh, really liked him last week, and then he got he got sniped by Kenyon Drake's four touchdowns. Um, but. You know, Seattle's a defense that has, you know, been vulnerable through the air. And we've seen a lot of quarterbacks put up big numbers against them. Whether it's at home or on the road, it doesn't really matter that much. But do you guys have any interest in Kyler Murray this week? Uh, you know, coming off a, a pretty good win uh, last week uh, against Cleveland. But, you know, now they are on the road. But, you know, 6,100, you know, in and a, and a matchup that, that does profile a little bit to what looks to be like a, could end up being a shootout here. Do you guys like Kyler at 6,100? Because that, that still feels a little bit too cheap in this matchup.
2: I, I can't play him if Kirk's out. I did just see something on Kirk. Hold on. Let me try
1: to pull that up.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think it sounded like, if I remember correctly, last I looked, it sounded like he was a little bit <laughs> more on the knock. He's a, a
2: game-day decision. Yeah. So that's funny. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Kirk, Kirk needs to be out there for me. as 6-1, I, I, Kev, it's, I, to me, that's too expensive, really. Uh, I mean, we haven't really seen the rushing. Uh, uh, we haven't seen him rush as much. Um, in the past couple of weeks, he's still, it just, you, I played him last week. So I, I might just be, you know, over him, I guess at this point, uh, because I, I love the spot for him last week. And you just, you watch him out there and he, he looks flustered. He just is still kind of learning, Um, you, you know, s- similarly to what Dwayne Haskins is out there doing um, with just more rushing ability, uh, but Seattle, you know, they can definitely control this game at home, and you know, they, they really they're they're an opportunistic defense. So if Kyler's going to be giving them something, I could you know I could definitely see them get a couple turnovers on on him and and really just you know scheme ways to just make it frustrating and actually force him to throw because this is not a team that's just going to let. Kenyon Drake go out there and go bananas as he did last week. Like they're going to shut that shit down um, in Seattle. So but to be fair, they're he put did on his hands. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say to be fair, he did rush eight times last week for fifty-six yards. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it, it, you know, are those design plays or are they are they broken plays? Um, it, which I, I don't know off the top, but it does seem like that they are trying to force him more in the pocket in recent weeks. To to develop him more so as a passer, um, and I don't know if we can bank on that rushing upside every week as as we're able to do with guys like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. Six um, it, one, it, it, I, I just I like I'd rather play a Carson Wentz that was just brought up a little bit ago for a little bit cheaper going against a Dallas team. they they're playing for the division here. Uh, both of these teams are are pretty solid against the run. Um, and Carson Wentz has been putting up 20 DK points like it's his job for the past couple of weeks, starting out slowly, mind you, um, where he's only gotten, you know, not even a touchdown in these first halves of some of these games. And so uh, just it, it Kirk would need to be out there first for me to even consider him, but I still think it just is kind of, it doesn't feel right.
2: Yeah, it's it's also uh, Kyler's first start ever in Seattle, which can be tough. Tough place to play. Not saying Seattle defense has been the the normal defense we're used to. Uh, they've kind of been kind of bad this year, actually. And Clowney's out this week as well. But I mean, again, a rookie playing in Seattle for his first time. Um, that's it's a bit of a challenge. Uh, yeah, the mean, thing with Wentz, with Wentz too is Lane Johnson's out, so that's uh, that, yeah. he's he's important
1: to them. So. But this is this is for the division. For
2: yeah, me. I no, I get it. I, I just think all the stuff that's come out on that game, Lane Johnson's out, Dak's got a shoulder issue. I've just maybe maybe I'm overreacting, but I have just take kind of taken that game and thrown it in the toilet. Um, and and have just kind of said, you know what, if if those two air attacks burn me, Wentz burns me with without Lane Johnson, without Alshon Jeffrey, without Nelson Aguilar, if he burns me with, with Ward and Godare, um, and without Lane Johnson, then so be it Um, that I'll just, I'll live with that. But I think the Dallas front has been playing much, much better as of late. Uh, They've really improved their, their defensive line play, especially against the run. So especially with Lane Johnson out, man, I I think, I think DeMarcus Lawrence is going to, he's going to cause some havoc in that backfield and we've seen Wentz play some good games, but it's also been against some bad competition as well. So. Um, not saying Dallas defense has been good because they they haven't been. They're, they've actually been really bad. But uh, <laughs> if there was if there was a spot that the defense could get up, um, I, I think sure. it would be playing for the division. So
3: yeah, that, that that that's that is my concern mainly with that game. It's a scary game to to target because of because of that and because it is for the basically it's for you know it's it's like a playoff game. And so I think it's going to be hard to tough. But you know the, the other one I guess we didn't really talk about, and I think is. Really, you could talk about the entire game is uh this uh I mean it might be the best game on the entire slate and we haven't even talked about it and that is the Miami Dolphins against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, this one is going to be super exciting, but Andy Dalton is only 5200 going against
1: the first Miami. First thing I brought up, Kev. Okay. So first thing I brought up.
3: Well, I'm just first saying. First thing I brought up. I wasn't I, I probably wasn't first listening. Thing I brought up. It's 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 course here. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean, you guys have an interest in Andy Dalton. 5, Go
2: ahead, it's all, Maddie. It's also uh, just looking at preliminary weather forecasts. Obviously, things change, but sustained winds around 15 with gusts in 25 to 30 mile an hour range. So um, we know people like to overreact to weather. So just keep an eye on that. You may get it at lower ownership than than you uh, than you should. Uh, I'm, I'm heavy. I'm interested in John Ross this week, so we can talk about him a wide receiver, but. Um, I, I do. I do agree. It's it's a good spot for for both uh, both passing attacks,
1: barring weather.
3: Is this the first time all year that the Bengals have been uh, favored in a game?
1: I, think I it would might assume be. so. The <laughs> I mean, first time since week two, week one, two, or three. Well, I know they weren't week that's one because sure.
3: week one was uh, the glorious. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the glorious um, Seattle game where Andy Dalton yeah. threw for 400 yards.
1: Yeah, it
2: was.
3: I don't know. I, I 5200. I mean, I think that one is uh, an interesting yep. spot, though he has been chalk earlier this year, uh, mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, and that did not work out. So, <laughs> uh,
2: Shocker, right? Chalk Andy Dalton
3: didn't work. I don't really feel like he's um, chalk this week, though, even though he's going against Miami. I mean, there's not a lot of people talking about him, so I don't know. I think uh, old Andy Dalton here in this matchup, you know, pair him with... Uh, I think Tyler outside
2: of the guys team. at the top, you're going to see some pretty flat ownership, because it's just a lot of Like you guys said, it's a lot of just average spots. Nothing really jumps off the page other than Russ at Arizona and and Lamar, and those are the guys you got to pay the two highest prices for.
1: No, for sure. I mean, it's going to be about the the skill positions here. So let's let's hit on it um, as we move into running backs and and wide receivers. So um, at running backs, you know, let's just talk about some of our our favorite plays at the position. Uh, we got Christian McCaffrey up at the top. He's 10-1. Um, will, Greer, will Greer will be the starter there um, in Indy. I, I have l- very little interest in uh, targeting uh, any any type of Carolina exposure from this game, but it is Christian McCaffrey. I probably will have – I'm just going to ballpark like 10 to 15% exposure because it is him, um, and, I, you know, Indy's not in the – in the mix or routine of blowing out teams. So uh, maybe they're able to keep it close. And if they are, it's going to be because of McCaffrey. So I could have some term exposure to him, but not, definitely not a place that I'm looking for. Um, Saquon Barkley, eight, three um, Kev's been talking about him all year. We didn't pod last week. So we missed the ultimate bananas. Saquon Barkley bounce back game, but uh 33 DK points there. He put up, he's back with Danny dimes here. Um, it's a great matchup for him, uh, if, especially if he's getting the attempts like he saw. Uh, first time he saw over 20 all year, actually. So, you know, that's definitely encouraging. Um, they're definitely, you know, still utilizing him. Um, and if we can get, you know, maybe Terry McLaurin on the other side, going deep and keeping this game close, definitely love Saquon Barkley at that price. But let's go down to a guy like Joe Mixon. He's 6,600. He's 6,600. Uh, this is a guy who I have a lot of shares of and or did have a lot of shares of in regular season fantasy and have not played him at all really much in DFS and has been pretty much matchup proof. Uh, these past two games have been incredible. 136 against New England on the road against Cleveland, uh, 146 in a touchdown, and he's priced up to match it And Miami's been giving up points and bunches to the running back position all year so i I definitely think you know mixon is somebody that I want a lot of ex- exposure to or majority of my exposure to in the running back position. It was you know a little alarming when he came up on the injury report earlier this week, so I definitely want to hear a little bit more about that, but um. You know, I, I I think it's definitely a good starting point here when you talk about that game and, you know, if Andy Dalton is able to move the ball there in the red zone, they're going to give the ball uh, to Joe Mixon there. So definitely love him. Um, where are we scrolling down here? So there's two guys in the 6K range that that I like a lot, and that's Marlon Mack and Austin Eckler. Um, I'll start with Eckler first because I think Mack is a smash play, <clears throat> but Austin Eckler, with the targets that he's seeing, he's still able to be relevant. Um, And Phillip Rivers has just relied on him a lot. Um, Kind of, you know, it it seems like they're definitely carving out some type of role to where they're doing this dual back thing with Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon just fumbled the ball twice last week. So not saying he's going to be in the doghouse, but there's definitely room for Eckler to see more touches here in this Oakland team that, you know, they, they've allowed a lot to the wide receiver position, but if Austin Eckler is going to be out there catching passes, I think he can get loose and have a respectable game. Uh, he is 6'1", so you're you're spending a lot more money on him than I would like. But because of the matchup and because of his role in the offense, I think it could make sense in GPPs um, to you know to kind of be contrarian on a play like Marlon Mack, who who's in a smash spot. Um, this week against Carolina. Carolina has been getting abused all year on the ground. I, they allow like 23, I think 23 rushing touchdowns Um, and the next closest team allows like nine less. So Marlon Mack in this spot should eat, but because he doesn't catch passes on DK, it definitely, you know, c- concerns me to have a majority of my exposure to him. But, but the matchup on paper just looks great. So I love that. Um, DeAndre Washington, 4K, lock button, we could talk about that, I guess, uh, because he's going to see work. And the last time Jacobs missed, he was heavily utilized in the passing game. I think he saw uh, six catches, which is very encouraging. Um, had 50 yards on the ground and a touchdown. So definitely like him. The other guy that I'll touch on real quickly, uh, Maddie, before I toss it to you, is Philip Lindsay. Phil Blinsey comes in at 5,300. This is a matchup against Detroit that we've targeted all year. He is, you know, really has a hold on the backfield now. Royce Freeman has been non-existent. He's had, you know, a couple of tough matchups here. I mean, you know, it kind of disappointed, I think, in the Chargers game. We expected a little bit more on the road against Houston. He was able to find a score, which made it respectable. But then Buffalo Week 12, KC Week 15, Um, that that's really been kind of holding him back, but I think we could get, you know, Philip Lindsay at less than 10% ownership this week in a, in a game that's really respectable. Kev, you talked about Drew Locke, but I think this is, this is the play that I want on the Denver side here, um, at that price tag. I I've been playing Philip Lindsay a lot, um, this year just in, in good matchups because he has the control um, o- over that backfield and you know ev- out snapping and out rushing Royce Freeman in every capacity of the past couple weeks so uh, that's the last play that I'll talk about Maddie, where are you at with running backs this week
2: yeah so so I agree with a lot of a lot of your calls Um, just to throw a couple random notes out there on a couple of these guys so with McCaffrey um, Indy's been pretty good against uh, against the run itself but um, with Will Greer, and I, I want to say he targeted the running back position almost 30% of the time in the preseason. So I, I'd expect McCaffrey to be heavily utilized once again in the past game, despite the, uh, the change at quarterback. Um, Saquon, in an awesome spot against Washington. Uh, I, was, I was all over Miles Sanders last week um, at literally 1% ownership against Washington. So it's the same exact matchup for Saquon, and I think he's in a really good spot there um moving down the list i I mentioned Fournette in in a stack if you're running uh atl on the other side um i like him uh nick chubb is interesting to me i really like nick chubb this week uh baltimore is, is third to last in terms of allowing um yards to the running back position uh carries over over 10 plus yards so They've gotten absolutely torched by explosive running backs who can hit the home run, and that's exactly what Nick Chubb is. Um, we don't think it, think it, but he's actually one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. So at his size and speed, and he, we know he's got the home run threat and can take it to the house any time. And we actually saw Chubb in Baltimore had his, had his best fantasy game of the, of the year, ran for 165 yards on 20 carries with three touchdowns. Um, and and he's still catching a couple passes a game usually only two to three targets a game but um, I mean you're really playing him here for the for the rushing matchup upside and uh, he's competing for uh, for the rushing title so currently leads the league in rush yards and um, there's been some chatter in terms of uh, interviews this week that they, they know that Chubbs leading the league and they they've all commented and the coaches commented saying it would be awesome to get him that title so um, while Chubb is not openly saying I want the title, everybody around him is kind of kind of rooting for him. So um, I think that spot at home against Baltimore, who and part of the part of the reason is everybody's like, oh well, Baltimore gives up a bunch of bunch of rushing yards because they're up by forty and they don't care about the run; they want to stop the pass and they just play back a little bit. Well, if they're up by forty against Cleveland, isn't isn't Cleveland just going to hand the ball to Nick Chubb and let him just get a bunch of yards? Like it's the same thing. Like I don't understand no, really. why why you're arguing against Chubb. By presenting that fact. So um, I, I really do like Chubb and nobody's going to play him this week. So um, he's going to be one of my main guys at, at, at very, very low ownership. Um, Mixon, I, I saw reports on Mixon saying he's good to go uh, for this weekend. So that alleviates any concerns that we had yesterday on his calf. So he's another guy that that I'm just going to not overthink and, and just play him. He's been one of the best running backs uh, in the league over the last couple of weeks. So um, absolutely love Joe Mixon at that 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 suppressed price as well. Six point six against Miami it just doesn't really make sense. Um, and I think Kenyon Drake is not really a chase this week. Uh, Seattle they've they've given up decent production to opposing running backs. So um, we mentioned Seattle defense not being as great this year that they'll still give up production to to the opposing side. And we've seen Kenyon Drake have some really good games um, in in decent matchups. So far this year against uh, San Fran, and then um, last week um, against Cleveland. So um, outside of the really tough matchups that that Drake has had uh, facing Pitt, the Rams, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, he's he's done very very well with with Arizona. So um, I, I'm gonna play Drake this week too, and uh, that's probably I, mean, I guess. I think Washington's more of a cash play than he is a tournament play. I don't know in this matchup if he has the ceiling to get me there at what his ownership is going to be. I just don't I, – I haven't decided what I'm going to do with him yet. I It'll probably end up being what do my builds look like and do I get to – do I need a 4K guy um, like in the flex or something? And, and if that's the case, then I probably just play him because of his volume. Um, but I don't think – as of right now, I don't think he's gonna be like, okay, let me start with, with DeAndre Washington in my build and kinda go from there. I don't I don't think he's that much of a lot. Curious to to hear um Kev's take on that on him.
3: Depends on the, which way you're looking at it, because I think I feel like with price included, it's hard to really get away from him. He's at a decent price this week, and I don't know. Like I, I, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, I think that like, like you guys, are, like you already mentioned that, uh, you know, with his um involvement in the passing game. I mean, he's four K. I mean, how do you? You not want to play somebody, that, I mean, that is about as, you know, and I, I guess this, this Chargers defense, I'm not really worried about it, but like like you guys mentioned, I mean, he has kind of been the pass-catching back between him and Rashard, but he's received pass-catching duties, you know, and he's going to see that, you know, and, you know, seven targets, you know, week 14, whenever he played, they played against Tennessee, which wasn't a great matchup because, I mean, Tennessee's run defense is pretty solid, but he still had 14 for 53 and a touchdown, then he had the six receptions for 43 yards, and I feel like this is a game that they're going to be trailing um against the chargers so i think it'll be another home game for the raiders because that's just kind of how the chargers uh, all home games are for them and with oakland not being too far away so i don't know i 4k deandre washington is going to be real tough to get away from but it's going to be interesting to see where his ownership comes in at because likely going to be uh, pretty high i think people will look at him kind of like a free square this week but my my
2: concern so just to just to kind of talk about it my concern with Washington is we've seen we've seen Josh Jacobs go for twenty DK points what three times this year and I mean Jacobs is a much better running back I know running backs don't matter but um, like he's not this slam dunk to get you twenty plus points and if he's not getting me twenty plus points am I taking down tournaments with him like in cash play in cash, cash games just play the guy like. The volume is too good for the price, and the matchup's not – it's not a horrible matchup. So I guess my, the way I'm approaching it is is how do you approach it in tournaments? And so if his if his ownership is going to be out of control, I mean, we've seen Josh Jacobs in this offense catered to Josh Jacobs. His highest point totals are 20, 24, 32, and 27. Every other game has been below 20 DK points for Jacobs.
3: Yeah, so but like, I think – but you're not. But see, the, the difference between at least we only have a one game sample size for this year to really go off of. But the, the difference between Jacobs and Washington is that with Jacobs, like they just never really utilized them much as a pass catcher. And it's been, it's been, you know, it's been kind of the opposite with Washington. Like Washington has received, you know, um, uh, targets pretty much all year, even though, you know, he hasn't been seeing the field as much as Josh Jacobs has, but he, but he has been seeing targets. And so, you know, in the, the one game that he started, I mean, like he, like, and, and that, that week, I mean, he was, you know, 3K. And I remember, that, I mean, that a couple of weeks ago, because I pivoted to a ton of, of DeAndre Washington, uh, where, you know, that was what, um, there was another guy that week who was, who was the free square that week that everybody wanted to play, um, week 14. I can't remember off the top of my head now. But yeah. I'm
1: drawing a blank too. I, can, I can't either.
3: I know that, that I, I don't know. It's right there. I'm gonna, It's going to come to me. I'm going to be pissed that I, that I can't think of who it is. Because I know it was – there was anyways, it was a 4K running back and everybody wanted to play him. But with, with DeAndre Washington, you know, I, I think that, you know, you know you look at – he had three targets last week. Seven, three, one. Like, I mean, he's been involved in the passing game too. too. I mean, not huge numbers, but I think that you see that. I think you probably see him get six to seven targets again this week. And if he's going to get that, along with 15 attempts, if he's going to have over 20, uh, 20 touches at – 21, you know, at 4K in a, at a pretty decent matchup. I mean, the Chargers are not great against the run by any means. So I'm not really worried about that factor. So I don't know. I think it's hard to get away from that at that price tag at 4K. Like, it, you know, it'd be one thing if it was like, I think last week they had him priced up at like 48 because we didn't know if Josh Jacobs was going to play. But now, I mean, he's down at 4K. And I don't, I mean, I don't think there's any running back that's really anywhere close to him. That I think that you could really make an argument uh, for, you know, you know, if you'd want to play him or not.
1: It was it was below Powell, By the way, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah,
3: there right. you go. Right. Yeah, it was below pow week. Okay, okay, okay. Do but, we
2: know? Do we know that they're going to not involve Rashard in the past game? Is that have they like said they're going no, to
1: kind of push him out? He's going to be involved.
3: I I mean, he's going to get opportunities, but
2: because that I mean, Tennessee game, like you're talking about, Washington saw seven targets and Rashard only saw three, and they lost by. They lost forty-two to twenty-one, so they were playing behind the whole time. Like, is that a is that a new norm? Like, is Washington going to see all these targets? If so, then then he's a lock at that price. But I guess my concern too is, do we know for a fact that that's how they're going to split the care? That, that's how they're going to split the role, or was it just a one? Like you said, a one-game sample.
3: Because um, well, I t- could t- see t- Rashard t- easily t- remember- getting
2: eight to nine targets.
3: That Titans game, though, you have to go back and remember that that game was, if I remember correctly, it was much closer uh, for most of the game, and the Titans pulled away at the end because, if I remember correctly, wasn't the wasn't the Raiders winning at halftime? I think, or was it tied? Or maybe <clears throat> I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like that's the way that that game went, but um, then they kind of pulled away late. So it's going to depend on if you think that the Chargers can can crush them here, because um, if they don't, yeah, it was where tied. <clears throat> yeah, and so if they don't, like. I feel like that this the but everything lines up for you know DeAndre Washington to to kind of be that guy and so again like this feels somewhat like a similar situation to kind of what Kenyon Drake was last week where nobody wanted to play Kenyon Drake last week despite the fact that he was getting so many so much volume now granted there's a much bigger sample size with Kenyon Drake last week compared to what we have this week with DeAndre Washington and I think he's going to be much obviously much popular down in that you know because we already know that Josh Jacobs is out but. It's just hard to get away from a running back who's 4K who likely sees 20 touches. It's going to be hard for him not to get to 20, in my opinion, unless they just get completely hammered right out the gate.
2: No, I, I get it. I completely get it. I guess just just like some things that I'll have to decide um, just from looking at salaries and all that. Like if you get down to the flex and you got 4,200, um, are you playing Washington or are you playing a guy like John Ross who we've seen with 25 to 35 DK point upside this year? And those what do you are just guys, kind of the just, decisions you'll have to make.
3: What do you guys project that his ownership's gonna be in tournaments? Washington? Yeah.
1: Washington?
3: Twenty five percent
1: more than that. Plus That's yeah. what I was gonna say. I, I was I like, man, was- that,
3: if it's twenty five percent, I'm hammering him in <laughs> Because I, I feel like he, you could probably see him in the four to five K range. Or four four to five, forty forty yeah. to fifty percent range, he, he, if not more. He
1: he won't he won't he won't reach fifty in in big field tournaments, maybe maybe single entries. Uh, but yeah, he'll, maybe he'll that's be, fair. Maybe that's I, fair. I, I, yeah. You're probably right. I wouldn't put me. it at say it again.
3: No, I, I think that's fair. You're probably right. And then, and, and large field, yeah. you're probably seeing it cause I, would, I always think it's going be higher be than what it typically is. And it, I think it will probably be like 35%. That's probably where I put it. That's what,
1: yeah, I was going to say that in the, this slant here, like 35%. Definitely.
3: Yeah.
2: And I'd agree with that because like, like we talked about at QB, like everybody's going to want to play Lamar and Russ if they can. And how do you do that? You just plug in DeAndre Washington.
1: Yeah, so I mean, even 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 just think about it, Maddie, just from an overall perspective, like I mean, we even and I won't even consider myself a a tout, so to speak. But like the first thing I do is I'm looking at injury, like where are the plays and what can I do at injury report? Like that's just normal DFS, like who's in, who's out. That's the same thing with Broussard Perryman on the Saturday slate. So the most people are going to come into this and just be like, all right, I don't want to think about anything else. Let me just know right now. DeAndre Washington is the starter. How much is he? 4K? Perfect. Let me put him in. So that's where people are going to start their lineups. And he plays in the late, late slate of games. So like you're saying, Matt, if you, if you can build your lineup around the areas that you want to target and then just say, OK, what am I left with? Is that good enough to be a DeAndre Washington, or is there some other pivot that I can get to? I do think that makes sense in tournaments, but, you know, you can't start any cash game lineup without him. Uh, and really in a single entry lineup, you have to just ask yourself, like, what is what are you going to miss out on uh, here with, with him? And I and I just think it's going against the Chargers in L.A. on the road. Like, this, this dude is going to fall into double-digit. DK points. It's just a matter of, is he going to get, you know, 15 to 18? Is he going to get 20 to 25? Um, I don't know, but the opportunity equity is definitely there. So the other guys that you choose around him better, you know, pop off in a, in a good way.
2: Absolutely. And and I think what the, the point you make on uh, finding the injuries and and just who can I replace this starter with, um, it, it's important to, to kind of think about what has the starter done um, which is something I, I myself got burned on earlier this year wanting to, to kind of go in on all in on Brian Hill uh, when he was playing Carolina in the nuts oh matchup yeah. and he had what? 10 yards on seven carries. and uh, looking back on on Devontae Freeman, I mean Freeman was okay when he played when he before he got hurt. But it's not like Freeman was out there smashing 25, 26 DK points a game. He was in like the 15 to 17 range most games right. when he was in a good matchup. And so looking back on that, I was like, why did I force in a 4K or whatever it was, Brian Hill? Um, I, like the matchup was good and he was going to see 15 or so carries. But, I mean, you think about, okay, well, who's he replacing and what kind of successes this guy had? Um, he's a backup to that guy for a reason. It's just like – when you play tournaments, the guys still got to hit a ceiling for you to to have a shot. Um, cash is a different ball game. You just put, you play the volume and, and move on at a cheap price. But I mean, tournaments right. you, you still got to have everybody hit um, their ceiling for you to have a shot to take down tournaments. And if you're not playing tournaments for the shot at taking them down, then then you need to just play cash games. So um, that's just kind of my my you, thinking. And yes,
1: yeah. I'm glad you brought that if, point up. If you're playing Washington in the tournament you have to be convinced that this dude can get you 25 to 30. I mean, that that's essentially in a tournament lineup, like the slant, I, I, every guy that I'm playing and I, you know, this clearly doesn't happen, but any guy that I'm playing in my process is leading to, I'm coming up with ways on how they can get 25 fantasy points. Correct. And if you don't, if, if you think Washington is, is a good play and he's going to get, you know, around 15 or so, that's great. But like, he needs to smash to, you know, really win you one of these big old tournaments that you're going to be entering. If you're playing, you know, head to heads or you're playing single entry lineup and anything like that, like that's one thing. But um, these big field tournaments where it's 500K to first or a million to first or, you know, 100,000 people in the, in the tournament field, like you got to be damn well sure that he's going to get you there.
2: Even if it's like even if you're playing the, the $12 single, that's like 12,000 people. I mean, that's still a massive field for you to be. That's a lot of co- lineup combinations you have to beat. Um, right, so right. I think fading a, a, a guy who's not as likely to hit a, a tournament-winning ceiling at high ownership makes a ton of sense in those kinds of tournaments. But like you said, you're playing 1,000-person or less single entries or um, three-mans or those types of, of, of things, then absolutely, I think yeah. you can have Washington in your build. Um, it's just a matter of you got to understand the type of tournament you're playing and how you can leverage that on the field in terms of likely outcomes.
1: For sure. Kev, what else do you see in that running back before we uh, move it on here?
3: Well, I, I pretty much agree with a lot of the ones that you guys already had. So I'm not going to go rehash through some of those, but I think the only two that well, one is Chris Carson, 8,500. He is expensive. He's okay. the second cool. highest price quarterback or running back. But only thing I was going to say with him is just the volume. You guys may have already hit on him. But the, the other one that I don't know if I've heard, and that's Miles Sanders. And the reason I I think Miles Sanders is the best player on the entire slate, in my opinion, and, and at least with with price included um 6400 he's averaging i think over the last four weeks 22 touches a week the dallas defense can be beat on the ground we, we know that for sure he's involved in the passing game as well i mean just go back the last four weeks six five 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 and five targets you know and i know people say well it's point chasing i mean last week he went off for 38.2 but in a game where, where the philly needs this they are at home I just think Miles Sanders is a smash play, especially with a, the amount of volume that he's seeing. And, unless Jordan Howard comes back, which I, I don't think is going to happen. I don't know if he's even been cleared for contact yet, but I absolutely love Miles Sanders even at sixty four hundred. I think he's a solid leverage play off of Joe Mixon, you know, and some of these other guys that are kind of right around him. Kenyon Drake as well at sixty three hundred. Um, I just think he's a solid leverage, and you know, price per dollar, I, I think he's the best, I, one of the best, my, one of my favorite, if not the most, my most favorite play on the slate.
1: Yeah, I, I like Sanders, too, a lot, Kevin. I think it comes in from his pass-catching ability. I mean, the the Cowboys have been pretty decent at stopping the running backs on the ground from that perspective. But, you know, they gave up a big game to Dalvin Cook in the passing game, like Devin Singletary on Thanksgiving. He was able to get there because he got the receiving touchdown. Uh, and had a couple catches for 30 yards there too. So the way that Miles Sanders is used as a pass catching back, and knowing how many receivers are banged up for this team, that that's what really intrigues me on him. I don't, I really don't care about the rushing uh, for him. It's it's the fact that he can be out there catching these passes from once. Um, all right, well, let's move on to wide receiver uh, as we're, we're getting uh, <laughs> into the wee hours of the spot, But uh, receiver position, um, you know. Let's talk about our favorite plays here again. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start down the way and Mike Williams at 5K. uh, He's just too cheap. I mean, when you're looking at outside receivers and what they've done against Oakland, um, you know, I really like that. I think that it's a matchup that Kev, you and I have talked about um, relentlessly on this podcast of targeting wide receivers against Oakland. Um, He, you know, definitely has. boom upside you know if he's able to get i mean denver he scored 19 dk points without getting a touchdown and now the past two weeks he has gotten that touchdown uh against jacksonville and minnesota so i really like this matchup uh for mike williams this week he he is way cheaper than he should be and i'd written down a stat from uh scott barrett to uh so oakland it looks like they're yeah, bottom four in fantasy points allowed uh, to outside red receivers. And against the slot, they're ranked top uh, 10. So it could be a, a rougher day for for Keenan Allen. So I, I do like Mike Williams a lot in this matchup. Um, when we scroll up, I, Marquise Brown has just burned me so many times. Um, but, you know, the fact that he did catch this touchdown against the Jets in week 15 um, and you know, if Cleveland can can stay in this game and make it respectable, he's going to be out there running routes. Right. And, and yes, I know Willie Sleed's out there and Miles Boykin and, and things things like that. But um, the, the secondary uh, for Cleveland is going to have a rough time keeping up with with Marquise Brown. And he's in the similar boat to uh, to A.J. Brown where he gets loose, he's gone, he takes a 75-yarder or, or like a Terry McLaurin, and he's definitely paid off on that price tag. So I, I'm not sure how much exposure I'll have to him, but I do like looking at the, the Baltimore side and saying, okay, how can I get exposure to this team without having Lamar Jackson? I'll take a shot on Marquise Brown. Um, I, I, there were two guys that I wrote down, uh, Gallup and, and Metcalf, because of their prices. But the more I'm looking into the slate, the more I actually like their counterparts in Cooper and Lockett. So Lockett at 7,600 um, going against Arizona, I-, I think he he's in a fantastic spot. I love that he's coming off of this, you know, eight catch game, 120 yards uh, against Carolina. And Josh, you know, I keep bringing up Josh Gordon, but without him being out, there is going to be snaps and other focus elsewhere. Um, and I do like Jacob Hollister, but I think my my second favorite guy on this team is, is Lockett to, to pair him with or play him without Russ. Uh, and then Amari Cooper, he's he's one of your biggest boomer bust guys that you're going to see. But we've attacked this Philly secondary for so long. And I'm going right back to the well and, and doing it here with Amari Cooper at only sixty seven hundred. It, it feels way too cheap uh, for what he can offer you. Went for five and 106 the last time these two teams faced off. Um, even if Dak's shoulder is, is somewhat, you know, hindering him a little bit, I, I just still feel like Cooper has enough upside to get there at his price. Um, and, and the injury might not, it might not really be bothering him. So I think that suppresses his ownership. Um, really, really makes a nice pivot off of a guy like Devontae Parker, who I'm I'm definitely interested in, and in pairing him with uh, Fitzpatrick. But uh, that that's where I'm looking at and starting with my builds. I'm I, I'll probably sprinkle in a little Terry McLaurin just because of the upside that he brings, and um, you know maybe I can talk myself into a, a sneaky game stack with with that because I do like Saquon as well too. Um, other than that, I, I'm not really. Seeing all, anything else at Sims, you know, if we're talking about a pivot off of DeAndre Washington, Sims just saw 11 targets. Uh, that's Steven Sims for Washington. Uh, and so when you're talking about the wide receiver position and, you know, just being a, a little bit higher equity than those running back positions because of the one point for for catch there if you know these eleven targets if those translate into this week he could he could definitely be a huge value there so I might I might have some exposure to him as well. Uh, Kev, where are you with wide receiver and what do you like?
3: We don't have to have any conversation about Michael Thomas. I've already kind of said what I felt like about with AJ Brown. It's hard. It's going to be hard. You look at his numbers and the dude, especially over the last four weeks, has been. You know, arguably the best wide receiver in football. I mean, he's he's averaging over the last four weeks 115 yards per game, which is more than Michael Thomas. It's more than Robbie Anderson or, or excuse me, DJ Moore. Sorry. So, (laughs) to be honest, though, I was going to say Robbie Anderson's not too far behind, though. Robbie Anderson's (laughs) at 93 and a half over the last four games of average uh, yards average per game. So, um, he's not that. He's not. He's actually one of the best, uh, better on the last on over the last four weeks on the slate. But regardless of that. It's not, uh, I meant to say DJ Moore, but um, so it's just tough with AJ Brown just because I feel like that I'm surprised no teams yet have, and I feel like this is a game that, that we could see it where he gets double teamed and they, or, and they shadow, he's definitely going to be shadowed. I would, I would assume by Marshawn Lattimore and I, I don't love it, but for, so for me, like I love DJ Moore in this matchup against Indy um you know indy's a defense you can tack uh especially deep they're 31st against deep passes they're middle of the road against short they're 15th against short passes um his weighted opportunity rating i think is one of the better on the slate as well His top 10 on the slate you know with more you know the scary thing obviously with him is is how is this how is he going to translate with a guy like will greer but i, I do think that he's still going to see his fair share of targets but at 6900 i have no problem going there um you know, kind of going down. I already talked about Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton's one of my favorite plays on the sl- uh, slate as well at, <clears throat> um, at his price tag at 6,200. Again, I don't think a lot of people are going to want to play him going against Detroit. Detroit's been awful this year. He's been one of Drew Locke's favorite targets, um, since he's, uh, taken over as the starting quarterback, Cortland Sutton is fifth in weighted opportunity rating, um, which is target market share combined with air market share or air yards, uh, market share, excuse me. Um, and so, you know, I, I love uh, Cortland Sutton as well in this matchup at home uh, against one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Uh, if I'm looking to kind of save some money here at wide receiver, <clears throat> I'd probably start with a guy like DK Metcalf or Tyler Boyd. Both of them have, uh, have great matchups, uh, 5,900 and 5,800 for Tyler Boyd. Um, if I'm wanting to pay down, At wide receiver? Excuse me. Um, One, I find it somewhat surprising that the Jets are actually favored in this game against Pittsburgh. I I know the the Pittsburgh offense has not been uh, a thing of beauty. But as bad as the Jets have been, but I believe the Jets are three-point favorites. So if that's the case, and they're going to be playing a little bit from behind, James Washington, I think at 5,300, is uh you know he didn't have as great of a game last week I believe or no it was two weeks ago but regardless I mean he's seeing targets last week he saw 11 uh four four and seven but you know with Delvin Hodges I think that you know $5,300 James Washington and then if I'm paying down at wide receiver I kind of like Greg Ward like I played him last week at at, at the nut minimum 3k this week I mean they they just don't have anybody else to throw the ball to right now and In, in Philly, I mean, you have Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, and Miles Sanders. But in terms of wide receivers, I mean, I, I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is going to play; he's still questionable. And so right now, I mean, Greg Ward, I think, is in line to see you know a pretty heavy target share. He did; he was targeted in the red zone last week as well. He had that he had that late touchdown last week. Um, but nine targets each of the last two weeks found the end zone. You know, if he's going to continue to see this kind of target share, you know, at 4,200, it's going to be hard to kind of get away from him. And then, you know, if Christian Kirk's out, I I will have some interest in Larry Fitzgerald at 4,200. We finally, um, you know, he hasn't really had any big games. I mean, you really have to kind of go back to week one when he had 28.3. But, you know, if Christian Kirk is out in a game where, you know, I'm not really scared of their secondary. I think Larry Fitzgerald, you know, even if I I think you probably could project that he gets five to ten targets. Um, in this game at uh, forty-two hundred, so I think that's another place you could go.
1: Maddie, where are you at with wide receiver?
2: Um, so usually, usually I just try to stack with my with with, with whichever quarterback I'm using. So, um, if I'm playing Breeze, I, I mentioned I think you you have to play Michael Thomas. Um, it's it's not a cheap pairing, but I, I think it's going to be a unique one. Um, and we've seen the ceiling on on those two guys, uh, all year. Um, I, think it's, I think it's another great spot for Julio. Uh, he saw a, a whopping 20 targets last week and think he can very easily uh, duplicate that again here at home against uh, a Jacksonville team that, that we mentioned has kind of just, just given up on the season. Um, they've gotten punked by, by wide receivers all year long. So um, I really do like Julio this week, especially if he goes overlooked at 8K because um, Julio tends to smash when nobody plays him. So um, I'm hoping people are off Julio. Here, um, I really like Lockett. If if you're running out, uh, Russ, um, I think moving down the list, I'm not really on the Dallas the, the Dallas uh, Philly game. Um, like I mentioned, I, I am a bit concerned with Dak's shoulder. Uh, I think they said he had was what listed as a limited participant for the first time in his five years with Dallas or however long it's been. Um, so I think that it is a somewhat of a concern. He was already, he's already been playing with a, a fractured uh, pointer finger, too. So his whole right throwing arm is, is just uh, not looking ideal in terms of health. So it, it is a concern for me, and, and we mentioned it's, it's going to be, a, I think, a tough divisional game. Uh, they're, they're playing for the playoffs. So I think, I think the Chargers are interesting. Oakland's been a, a very pass-funnel defense. Um, So I I do like the Keenan Allen call. I really like Mike Williams. Um, Oakland's been burned deep all year. So I I think Mike Williams is in a great spot here. Um, But yeah, I mean, other than that, in terms of value, oh, I I did mention the Giants receivers against the backup Washington corners uh, earlier as well. I I think you can play those guys. Um, Shepard and Slayton would be the the two that I look to first, Um, just because those guys, when you look at, one, with, with Dimes, all the games Dimes has played as a whole, and then as well uh, Weeks 5 and Week week 12, um, I believe, were the two weeks that all of the receivers were healthy and, and Daniel Jones was the starting quarterback. So um, Sh- Shepard had the most uh, target and air yard share. He was at 24 and 31, mm-hmm. um, and then you had Slayton behind him at like 17 and 30 were his two numbers, and then Tate was – Uh, Low man of those three at like 14% target share and 18% uh, of the air yards, I believe were his numbers. So it's definitely Shepard and Slayton for me um, at the top there against the backup corners. Um, But yeah, outside of that, I I really like John Ross for value. Um, We saw the beginning of the year before he got hurt when he was playing in that, that X receiver role of that offense um, 12 targets and eight targets at 158 and 112 receiving yards and, and three touchdowns across those two games. So we've seen him flash the ceiling. Um, he just hadn't, hadn't come back and taken his rollback back yet from, from Auden Tate. Um, but now Tate's on, on IR. And, uh, last week Tate was out as well, but looking at the, what the, the Bengals were going to try to do against New England, they just wanted to run the football with Joe Mixon. Um, they figured that's, that's what New England was going to let them do, so that's what they did. Uh, they On the season, they were running 11 person, personnel at like 78%. They ran it at, I want to say it was 26% last week, and their 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, they've been running at like 16% on the season, and it was up to 65% last week. So they definitely made a conscious effort to run the football, um against New England last week. so I think it'll it'll nobody's gonna play Ross because they're like, oh, he he three targets and three targets the last two games. why would I play him? Um, well, one, Miami gives up a ton of explosive uh, pass plays um to opposing offenses, and that's what john ross does like he's he's the deep threat guy who runs a, like a four two forty so um, and we've seen the, the X roll all year, Alden Tate. I mean, the guy's just not very good and he still put up double digit DK points almost every game out with, with Andy Dalton. So, um, I think John Ross is going to be one of my, one of my core receivers this week. Um, and I'm just essentially banking on the Bengals getting back to, to wanting to throw the football a little bit more, um, and, and hopefully run out 11 personnel and, and kind of air it out a little more than they did last week. And it would, if that happens, it would be the first week that they kind of do that with with John Ross as their as their main guy um, out on the outside. So that's kind of where I'm at at receiver. Um, pretty straightforward for me.
3: If DJ Chark is out, would you guys be more inclined to play D.D. Westbrook or Chris Conley
1: or Keelan Cole
3: <laughs> or, or Keelan Cole? Yeah,
1: it would probably be
2: Conley for me. Though I don't love it because I was talking with uh, our guy Derek Brown. Um, he, I was asking him kind of the same question. I was like, do you have any interest in Conley at his insanely cheap price against Atlanta? So we kind of dug into his matchup a little bit. Um, and like we, we've mentioned Atlanta has been running a completely different scheme, uh, ever since their bye week on defense. And it's actually helped their defense, uh, to be better. And they're running way more man coverage and way more press coverage. And Conley has just not really been that good in either of those type, coverage types and he's been much, much better against zone coverage. So it is a concern for me, um, but, I mean, he is cheap enough, and, and he's, a, he's a home run threat too. So he's, he gets a ton of deep targets, and really he's just got to catch one of those, and, and he's paid off his value. The issue, I guess, for Conley for me is he, he hasn't really had a red zone role all year until last week um, when Shark was out. So I don't know if that was a fluke or – if that's, if that would be a new norm, like, Hey, Chark's out Conley kind of take over red zone role. Cause he's not, I mean, it's not really like a red zone type receiver. You think he'd only have like two red zone targets on the whole year before last week. Yeah.
1: I would, I would probably lean Westbrook. He could, he disappointed me last. He had a really good sharp rapport with, with Minshew, um, when Foles first went down. So, um, you know, I I think it's a good bounce back spot for him against Atlanta. That that's probably where I would go, just because he he's had the higher target share pretty much all season long, outside of the or compared to the rest of these three guys. So I, I would just bank on that production.
3: Yeah, I mean, with stuff. I mean, you're right. Looking at his numbers, I mean, last week he had four red zone targets compared to the, you know the rest of the year he only had two. Um had one week seven against Cincinnati, and one week nine against Houston, another than that
2: yeah which is which is why I was off him last week at high ownership. I was like, for him to burn me he 's got to catch one or two long touchdowns, and I just i played I played the cards that that wasn't going to happen, and of course he gets four red zone targets and catches two touchdowns, so. <laughs> yeah, <right?
3: laughs> Well, which which is interesting, though, because I guess then if you look at Keelan Cole, you know, played 76% of the snaps, which is like the second most he's done all year, ran 25 routes, Um, did see six targets last week, but he, you know, and he did see a red zone target. But if you look at him, I mean, his have been a little bit more spread out. They've utilized him a little bit more. I mean, he hasn't been a ton, but he had one. He had one against Cincinnati, one against the Jets. Uh, week eight and then you go to week 12 he had one against Tennessee he also had week 13 against Tampa Bay and then he had one last week against Oakland who's seeing I mean again it's not a heavy target share inside the red zone but at least they're looking for him on somewhat more of a consistent basis inside the red zone um so I think if D.D. Westbrook or D.D. Westbrook if um D.J. Chark is out I think you can make a case for Keelan Cole who's also cheaper than Chris Conley at you know Chris Conley is 60 at 4300 and Chark is or I'm just all over the place. Uh, Keelan Cole is only thirty six hundred, so I mean, you're getting a savings there. You know, that pretty similar target share, pretty similar um, you know uh, snap share as well. So I don't know. I think I think you can make a, bit, a little bit more of a case for a Keelan Cole than you could for Chris Conley.
1: Yeah, real quick, guys, before we before we would move it on, uh, Alex Erickson comes in at thirty three. The upside might not be there, but. Um, He's still getting targeted. I don't. I don't know. Is this is this anywhere that we could try and go to? Because um, I've I've seen people project him uh, into their lineups as far as getting exposure to him because of, probably because of his price tag. I just I just wanted to touch on that at all because he's he's pretty much almost minimum. So he'd be a guy to pair with like a DeAndre Washington to where you could get some of these higher price guys in.
3: I don't know, like I, he's okay. I, I feel like I'd rather go with the higher ceiling, though, and a guy like John Ross. I think he just has a higher ceiling than he does. They both have good matchups. I mean, if you look at, so you know, Alex Erickson looks like he will be matchup mostly with Nate Brooks who is one of the lowest graded corners on the slate by PFF. He's also allowed 1.31 yards per route covered, you know, compared to John Ross, um, pretty much similar, um, you know, a pretty much similar 1.38 yards per route covered. Though I will say the, you know, uh, Alex, you know, Nate Brooks has allowed a much higher catch percentage than 69% of the passes. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like John Ross is a higher ceiling with you know that guy that's uh, with the ability to take the top off the defense at any time. Where Alex, er- Alex Erickson is going to be much more through um, through volume. And I don't know with all that. I mean, with, with Tyler Boyd there, with John Ross, with Joe Mixon also being utilized, Giovanni Bernard, Tyler Eifert. Um, you know, I don't know. I think it'd be hard for me to get there.
1: Yeah, yeah I think mean. I agree. I, I, I agree too. Um, if I was, you know, building multiple lineups and was finding myself like Maddie, I know you only build a, a couple, but it, you know, if you were getting John Ross on, I don't, I don't know, like 20 or 50 lineups or something like that, it would make me want to have some Alex Erickson exposure just on the off chance that, you know, they, this is the guy they choose to pepper with targets. He does, you know, it's very limited, but he we have seen the upside uh with him getting twenty four uh five DK points there um in in a matchup before. Us. So I feel like I, if I just saw that go ahead.
3: No, I was just gonna say if I was gonna take a shot on like a complete dart throw, it probably would be Deshaun Hamilton. I kind of mentioned that earlier, but like if I was if I just wanted to, yeah. you know, a complete dart throw. I mean, last week he played uh, the most snaps. He played eighty-seven percent of the snaps. He ran thirty-four routes, which is the second most on the year. He had nine targets. He had he he has seen uh you know a red zone target in each of the last two weeks as well. So yeah, in a much better matchup at home, uh, I would rather probably play someone like Deshaun Hamilton, who, again, is a complete dart throw. But you know, I feel like and he's also a little. I think he's actually cheaper. Yeah, a hundred dollars cheaper at thirty-two hundred.
1: No, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's let's hit on tight ends here before we have defense to wrap up the pod. For me, I'm just going to keep it real short and simple. There's only four guys that I even will have on any of my lineups. That Zach Ertz at the top at 6,400. Uh, I don't I don't know what else is to be said, but they have nobody else to throw to. Uh, would love it more if Aguilar is out, which I think I think he should. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it sounds like he may because they're talking about shutting him down for the year. So if he is out and there's nobody else, um, Zach Ertz is is a premier play. I, this guy's putting up wide receiver numbers and not priced accordingly. So um, at 6,400, I'd, I'd still have some exposure to him. Um, and I'd probably, you know, game stack it in that case uh, on a couple builds where I have like Wentz, Ertz, Maybe Sanders and then run it back with Amari Cooper, um, who I like in this game as well, too. Uh, then, I, you know, you scroll down, you look at this 4K range. Austin Hooper at 4,400. Uh, I mean, you just put him in, lock him in and, and have at it. He's 4,400. There's no Calvin Ridley that's going to be out there. He's put up some pedestrian games, um, which, you know, doesn't make you feel good. But without Calvin Ridley out there, this guy should. Uh, fall next in line to see this, you know, to see an uptick in, in targets here and, and usage. So I uh, love him. Jacob Hollister, it's flow chart against Arizona. He's 4,200. I'm not going to say anything else uh, about him. And then the, the fourth guy would be Mark Andrews. I talked about Marquise Brown and getting exposure to him or getting exposure to Baltimore through him. Well, we got Mark Andrews here. And it's frustrating because the targets just, haven't been there, you know, earlier in the year, you could pretty much pencil him in for seven targets. And that was that was, you know, going to be gospel. But now, you know, now he's had three in his past uh, and two of his past four. So there's definitely a floor there. But the upside, you know, if he's going to be healthy now, he's been recovering from this knee injury. And is getting targets around this six to seven area. He, he's getting a ton of red zone looks, is what it comes down to for me. And Lamar Jackson absolutely loves him, um, looks from all across the field. So I, I, I definitely have no problem playing a Mark Andrews. Uh, would probably want to pair him with Lamar Jackson, and I would just pay the extra $500. Um, on uh Zach Ertz if I was, you know, building a lineup without Lamar. But I do think, you know, with Lamar Jackson, you pair him with a Mark Andrews and and I, I like what that what that uh can get you. Uh Maddie, what say you for tight end this week? Yeah, I think you nail you hit
2: the nail right on the head at tight end. Um <coughs> Ertz is in a great spot against Dallas. Uh Hooper's another great play uh at home against Jacksonville. I think he's in a good spot. Uh, there, Hollister. You mentioned the flow chart. Absolutely. Um, Hunter Henry is interesting to me against Oakland. Uh, we haven't really seen his his ceiling recently, but I mean he's been one of the most consistent tight end producers um, on the year when he's played. Uh, you look at his game log, and it's just it's just littered with double digit DK points. Um, except for two of the last three, have been both three points. So um, it, as long as you're not chasing recent. Game logs on him. I I I do still think that the volume can be there for him to see a, a eight target game against a, a pass funnel defense in Oakland, um, and I think he could go overlooked, uh, sandwiched between, um, he's just over Hooper uh, and Hollister, who I expect to be pretty popular. So um, I, I think that he is he's a very interesting uh, dart throw, and I probably won't go. I th- Caden Smith, I guess, if you're playing Danny Dimes, maybe. But I, that oh, feels that feels kind of thin to me. Well, um, I mean, when, you look you, at- when you've got four K <laughs> guys that are like Hooper, Hooper Hollister, and, and Hunter Henry can break the slate, um, scoring twenty plus, so I, I just don't. I don't think you need to dumpster dive. Really, is I guess kind of how I'm approaching it.
3: Yeah, but I mean, if you look at Caden Smith, I do think he's interesting. He's run 123 routes over the last four weeks, which is I think third on this slate, and he's only 3200. So I do think that that is a pretty contrarian way to go. I don't think anybody's really going to play him.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. Uh, Thirty two hundred is pretty cheap.
1: Yeah, what, Kevin. Anything different for you?
3: Can we at least talk about the fact that Dan Arnold caught a touchdown last week? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, and <laughs> the man.
1: Oh man!
3: Like I want to play Dan Arnold. You know what I mean? Like I always. Anytime he's on the slate and he's viable, like I want to play Dan Arnold. Like I was so. I didn't even play Dan Arnold last week, and I was fucking thrilled when he caught that touchdown. Um <laughs> air Donald, baby amped whenever he, i'm like let's fucking go like i just took out a tournament or something i was fucking excited <laughs> um i would like to see him get more involved in the offense but this isn't the week to, to test out that that theory out but i don't know but no i i don't th- my, i mean i'm not really much different than you guys are than you know who i want to play it's it's waller it's um, Hunter Henry at forty seven hundred. I think that's a little bit too cheap for him. You know, I, I think Hollister's fine, and I think maybe he becomes more in play now that, especially now with the Josh Gordon uh, being out for the year, I think it puts him a little bit more in play. Dallas Goddard's always in play at forty one hundred. It's going to be interesting if Noah Fant doesn't play. I think that'll open things up. But like Mike Gesicki, I think is also a very interesting play at thirty six hundred and, and a pretty solid matchup. I mean, he has been one of the better tight ends, especially as uh, of recently, but. Um, he's run 158 routes uh, the last four weeks. Uh, pretty solid team total. So, and then you know, past that, you know, I think that that's probably kind of what I'm looking at. You know, like I said, like I think the Caden Smith call. I think there's some um, there's something to that a little bit. I would like to play Ian Thomas at 3100, but now that that Greg Olson's back, I don't know how that's going to. Um, impact uh, Ian Thomas. I think, you know, just Greg Olson come back and get kind of a full allotment of snaps? And because one, I mean, one thing we, you know, we know with rookie quarterbacks that they love to check down and that they love to target their tight end. It's kind of a safety valve. If you can, if, you know, if you can identify which one's going to get more opportunity when it could be Greg, you know, Greg Olson here, you know, with his career likely winding down at 3,900, like that's not a terrible play. Um, you know, I don't hate the matchup. And then, you know, but, I I think we could be seeing a scenario where both of them kind of split snaps and I don't really, I don't really love that. So yeah, I think that's pretty much where I'm at
1: fair. Let's uh, let's close it out with uh, our defensive plays here. Uh, And I think it's pretty straightforward again with, with defense uh, at at least for me. Um, I, you know, I've seen people talk about the Redskins D I'm probably not going to go there. Uh, Most of my D's fall in the three K range. It's it's Colts at 3,300, Broncos at 3500, uh, and um, and Steelers at 39. I, 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 Kev, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't really understand how how they came up with the line on this Pittsburgh Jets game, but the Pittsburgh D has paid off dividends for me all, all year long. Uh, I'm not scared to go back there even at the 3900 price tag. The Colts going against Will Greer, I I like them uh, a lot in this matchup. I mean, they just got pretty much embarrassed. Uh, by drew Brees on monday night football so it is a short week but i would like to see him you know bounce back there at 3300 with you know uh guys who can make plays all, all over that defense uh denver 3500 i feel like it's going to be chalk uh it is a great matchup but it, it scares me that their their ownership is going to be so high Um, so I definitely would look for pivots on that. And then Maddie, I guess Cowboys at 2600 would probably be the cheap play that I would go to. I I do agree with you that, um, you know, the the one thing this defense can do is get pressure on the quarterback. So if they can make things a little bit rough for Carson Wentz, they could hopefully, you know, get some pressured sacks there. And if it's a a low scoring game, um, you know, they won't, they won't be giving up as many, they won't lose as many points, uh, if they're not allowing that many. So I, I could see playing them at 2,600.
2: Yeah, Philly too, 100 cheaper. Yeah. Both teams have 36 sacks on the air.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just I, I really don't know what to make of this Dak injury, um, which is really frustrating because he's really not a, a a quarterback that I target defenses against because he just doesn't get sacked. Yeah. Um he he's very quick to get rid of the ball. He will run it run out of the pocket. So but with the shoulder injury, I I just don't know how it, that's gonna affect him. So I, I don't like switching up my defenses all too much. So I might just have to miss out on that one if Philly ends up hitting. Um, but uh but yeah, that that game should be interesting. Kev, where are you at with defense?
3: My favorite defense on the slate is uh, is probably the New Orleans Saints, especially at 2,700. Uh, I just think it's too cheap. Pressure on 41.5% of the snaps, which is the number one on the slate. They are also, uh, I believe, number one on the slate as well. A sack percentage at 8.1. You know, they're a favorite even on the road. I I just think that there's a lot of... Ryan Tannehill can certainly throw two or three interceptions in this game as well, but 2,700 is, is way too... Um, it's just too cheap for the saints in my opinion. And then from there, I don't hate playing like the Cincinnati defense. We know that, that, um, that Ryan Fitzpatrick can always have a, you know, four, five, six interception type game. It's, it's just in him. He hasn't really had one of those yet this year, but you know, it's certainly, um, you know, Right now, you look at Cincinnati, they are surprisingly um, also pressuring 36.8% of the time, which is, I think, the eighth most on the slate. And then, you know, that defense is, or that, that offensive line has been horrendous. At, they're the worst in the league. So, I don't hate that either. So, you know, Cincinnati there. And then, you know, another one, I guess the other one would probably be Oakland at 2300. Um, again, you know they're kind of in that that that, that range that you're looking for at 36.2 percent of uh of pressures. And again, you know a uh, terrible uh, offensive line. They rank 30th um on, for, among PFF among offensive line, So of opponent O line pressures allowed. So and I mean how many I mean how many games have we seen Philip Rivers throw uh, multiple interceptions yeah. this year? So uh, I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Oakland's defense. And at 2300, if you're wanting to pay down, like I think that's a perfect spot.
1: Kev, I love I love that. Call. Seventeen points in that last matchup too. I think it was an afternoon slate game uh, that they played in, but that made Phillips drive a living hell. So uh, you, you're right about the turnovers there, and not just Philip, but the whole rest of this offense, especially like Melvin Gordon, just having the two fumbles and wide receivers coughing up fumbles. Uh, uh, I love that, Maddie. Any other defenses for you before we close it out? Nah, you'll
2: probably see my my teams will probably be Raiders. Uh, Eagles, Cowboys will be one of three. Unless I absolutely love it, my my squad, and have eighteen hundred left, then I might play the Browns solely because I playing sub two k defenses is fun <laughs> because <laughs> you can fit in a lot more salary elsewhere. But I, that's not really like where I would. I always try to fill in defense last, basically. But if I had to pick, I would probably punt with Raiders, Cowboys, and
1: yeah. Eagles. No, that's fair. Let's do it. Let's build this lineup, guys. We got uh, We only got two more weeks of uh, regular season main slate lineup building to go. And I, it seemed like we were having some technical difficulties with just the way the screen was showing up, Kev. But I'm trying to share the screen back with you on DraftKings if we can pull that up. And get to building uh, the week 16 lineup in Kev's favorite tournament, the slant. And so, Kev, with that, um, you can be the first one to kind of position how this lineup goes because we are in your we are in your realm. We're in your house and uh, show us how we do it. So we're in the slant 500K to first. We got nine positions to fill. Let's do it, boys.
3: Let's go with so many different good options. Uh, let's, You know what? Let's go with DeAndre Washington.
1: We're going to put Washington in. I'm going to put him in at the running, box, running back spot first, but he does play in that later game. So depending on how the team builds, I may move him to the flex uh, just in case here. Uh, Maddie, go ahead and, and take it over there now that we have Washington in. Why have to
2: decide between Washington and John Ross when you can just play both of them?
1: Let's throw in, throw in good old Rossi there at uh, 4,200. Let me just get him in. All right, so DeAndre Washington and Ross is how we're going. Let's go Hollister at tight end. This is going to be insane. Three, three 4K players to make it into our build. I, I, I don't know if that's ever ever happened to start out before, but that is how, that is how this one is going. So, Kev, back on you.
3: Well, since we have the money and we've played John, uh, we played we played Hollister. Let's just go play Russ.
1: So we got Russell Wilson, DeAndre Washington, John Ross, Jacob Hollister. Sixty-one twenty left in salary, or left average per player. It's gonna get interesting, folks. Let's well,
2: run it back with Kenyon Drake.
1: Um, all right. Let's see what we got here. Um, I'm going to play play Mike Williams at wide receiver. Wide receiver flex and defense spot left.
3: All right. Let's drop Washington down to the flex. And I'm gonna play Miles Sanders.
1: Let's get weird, boys. Washington and the flex. All right, wide receiver and defense left, uh, Maddie. 6450 left per player. So just um,
2: just click on click on MT and Julia and see
1: what salary those are give us left. So if we play Michael Thomas, thirty six hundred left. Yeah, just do that, Michael Thomas lock it in Michael Thomas, and then 3,600 left. Let's go ahead and put in the Broncos uh, at 3,500, leaving us 100 dollars in salary left. Uh, so our team, as it stands right now, Russell Wilson, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, John Ross, Mike Williams, Michael Thomas, Jacob Hollister, DeAndre Washington, Broncos D, leaves a 100 in salary. going ahead and submitting this right now into the slant and with that that is going to cap off the week 16 DFS Nation pod uh Maddie thank you for taking time out of your busy friday night uh, to join us here as we record before the weekend and really get you know this is probably the most uh news and and uh latest we've recorded a pod for the main slate here so only a couple of days until until that slate goes live but you know saturday uh slate will be pretty much while we're recording 12 hours from now uh just about so um, you know, you guys hop into our up into our Slack chat. We'll be talking about Saturday plays and what we want to do there um, in our free Slack chat. If you're not in it, if you don't know what it's about, just DM the DG Nation pod on Twitter at DFS at Nation pod or DM Kevin at Fantasy Rap 13. And and we'll get you guys in there um, to, to talk plays and talk everything leading into the Saturday and Sunday main slate. But Maddie. You can find him on Twitter at maddie d t q e. Maddie, thank you so much for joining. Any final words for the peeps?
2: Nah, good luck. Uh, happy holidays to all. Um, I guess this is the the slate before before all the holidays extravaganza takes off. So, uh, happy holidays to all. Uh, appreciate you guys as always for for having me on. Um, I enjoy it. It's a blast. So um, glad to be able to to continue to to hop on here with you guys
1: absolutely and if you guys are new to the pod and this is your first time listening uh you can follow uh all that maddie has to offer um and the tqa on his twitter handle at maddie dtqe go follow him now kevin you got any final words to the people before we sign off
3: yeah like one merry christmas we don't say happy holidays around here because we're not snowflakes (laughs) um You know, if you celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, you know, whatever, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, you know, have a great see, I
2: just, I saved breath and time by just saying it all, by saying two words instead of 15 words.
3: Yeah, well, you know, we, we, let's smash this week, you know, win that championship, win that big money, (laughs) you know, What, what, what are you guys doing for Christmas? You guys got any big plans, you know, are you looking forward to anything? Do you have any traditions that you guys are into, you know, behind, peel back the curtain behind the scenes? Man, no,
1: just going to be watching some holiday movies all through the weekend. Uh, Both of my family, my girlfriend's families are both local, so we never have to deal with any traveling or anything of the sort, which I'm very grateful of. So we'll just be spending time with the families. Uh, I will have a full week and a half off of work. That's probably the most exciting uh, thing about the holidays for me. So I'm just going to be chilling.
2: Heck yeah. No our our one tradition usually is we uh well growing up we always open one present on christmas Eve night um as and okay. as we as we've gotten older, my mom has uh she's given me and both of my brothers uh an ornament each year that kind of signifies something major that you know happened in in your life so i'm curious to not sure what mine's gonna be this year I guess I bought we bought our second house so Last year I got married, so that was that was an easy one. <laughs> but yeah, that's. Um, cool. But yeah, so that's usually our tradition. Is just nowadays we open our our one our ornament, which is our one present that we do. But yeah, it's growing up. We always our our incentive for behaving at church um, on Christmas Eve was you get to open a present when you get home. So it just kind of stuck.
3: Nice,
1: nice. Kev, uh, what about you, Kev?
3: No, just for me, uh, I got a busy weekend ahead. I uh, finally got all my shopping done, which was, let me tell you, I went uh, left work a little early today and went and did some shopping. And that was a terrible decision because it was fucking packed. And it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking 2 o'clock on a Friday, people still work, and it's not the holiday week yet. Nope, I was wrong um but i got you know all kinds of stuff going on this weekend watching football and then next week on christmas eve we go to my i'm gonna be going to my parents uh eat some ham which i'm super excited about that's my that's my jam and then on christmas
2: day way better than turkey
3: yes no doubt Uh, and then on christmas (laughs) we're gonna go up to the the ladies family's house uh on christmas day which live about an hour an hour north of us um so we're gonna go do that, and then I actually have the day after Christmas off. But and I'm surprised neither one of you DJs even mentioned the NBA DFS slate, which you know is one of the the better. Oh NBA heck yeah! As well. So uh, the all day NBA slate. So
1: Kev, you you haven't even been playing NBA. I know,
3: right? I played once, once this entire year. I played I played one NBA slate so far this year. I'll start playing a lot more once NBA once NFL ends, but. I just don't have the time right now to to grind out the NBA plus NFL right now and keep up with all the news and injuries and everything else. So but I there's no way I can not play the, the Christmas Day uh NBA slate, even if I just get in four or five lineups or something. But uh so that'll be less really important sure. too so well definitely uh you know, jump into the Slack and uh we can uh talk about the uh, you know, on Christmas we can talk about the old NBA slate.
1: Absolutely. Get into the Slack chat. Like I said, it is free, free to join. So make sure you guys are hitting us up for details on the Slack. Make sure you guys are rating and reviewing the pod. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, what have you. Um, Just, you know, share share the love back with us. We much appreciate that. Go, Go on YouTube, watch the video, like it, subscribe to the channel. Uh, we appreciate everything with that, and and uh, Kevin Cody have been putting out great content for all of you guys. It, you know, good luck to you guys for Championship Week, um, because with the start sit up, start set matchup that Cody's got, and the pod that you guys had the other day, I think you guys have prepped everybody on what they really need to be doing um, for for this week 16 as it closes out the regular season fantasy. Uh, fantasy year so good luck to all you guys in your championship matchups good luck to everybody on your saturday slate dfs lineups and your sunday slate uh main slate matchups there as well we got a full fantasy goodness weekend coming up to you but with that the Nation pod signing off for maddie dtqe kevin Steele, fantasy rat 13 on twitter and myself ryan williams at ryan alexander underscore w where you can find us uh Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and we'll see you guys for week seventeen next week. Until then, peace and Merry Christmas to all, and to all good night. Think you can tell me what to do? know who you're talking to. you better get used to the way the world works. I see what you got.
0: What? Yeah, that's a free little man